Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. everybody this is mike halitech uh, with halitech hall show and tonight's episode as always is sponsored by ticksplits.com every ticket every venue everywhere uh pitch hitting for my co-host uh Aaron torricelli is lester wolfong from windy city gridiron good evening lester what's happening how are you doing tonight doing doing well uh, for uh, those of you that follow aaron on his personal site on on Twitter, uh, he had uh, a little thing going on with his family. Uh, we wish him and his wife all the best. Uh, it sounds like everything went well. And joining us uh, this evening from our turf football, another frequent guest of the Halitech Hall Show, uh, Wanda Whiteman from our turf football. Wanda, good evening. Good evening, Michael. How are you? I'm doing well. How's things out in California? Very, very hot. <laughs> uh well we've uh we've actually had a pretty lesser you might agree we've had a couple of days where it's been kind of hot and muggy but for uh, uh for the most part it's actually been a pretty decent summer well that's good. yeah it's been real nice good. here it's been real nice so aside from aside from the uh Storms and tornadoes that, that yeah. rolled through uh, rolled through the town uh, in our area on Monday. Uh, it's actually been a pretty pretty decent summer, but we did get our really one bad storm uh, earlier this week. So uh, it's nice to hear that everybody is safe and yeah. and uh, nobody has uh, th- that I'm aware of from our our guests on our shows have contracted COVID. So. Um, everything, everything's going pretty well. So, uh, so let's get right to it. Um, yeah, you know, there was a little bit of news from, uh, a former and future hall of fame beer, uh, Devin Hester and, and Wanda, I'll let you lead off with this story. Yeah. So Devin, uh, he was able to get the head coaching job for a, um, fairly new, a football team called the Orlando uh, Jaguars. It's a um, youth football league uh, under the elite football league. And so uh, he's had that privilege uh, to get in. He's very excited about it. Um, and right now, as far as I know, they, they're even trying to raise money for the helmets. Uh, they have a GoFundMe page, and they're trying to raise about 13 grand to get the helmets, uh, they have a uh, like a motto about being heroes under the helmet. 
So they're really like gung ho about these in, in trying to build a, a really good um, rapport, uh, really looking for some elite and hungry uh, uh, kids out there that want to play football. And Devin, Devin is just thrilled about the opportunity. Lester, do you have anything you can add? I know it kind of hit you uh, a little off guard when, when we talked about it earlier today, but uh, I did have a chance to, to look up there. They do have a website. They, uh, they have a Facebook page. Uh, Devin tweet, uh, tweeted it out uh, on his Twitter account a, a couple of days ago. And, uh, of course, he put it on, uh, on Instagram as well. But uh, uh, up until he, uh, he posted that, uh, I, I didn't even know he was in the running for uh, any type of a coaching position uh, in, in any type of uh, of league. But it's great to see him get involved with the kids. Yeah, I, I think he was helping out his 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 son's uh, school at one point, and you know, so I, I bet he just he uh, got the coaching bug, and and now he's hooked. I mean, it's 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 awesome coaching kids. You know, with with, with football, it's just really good. It's uh, it's it's life lessons for these guys. I mean, there's guys that 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 I've coached that that I still talk to. That's you know, it's been like you know, they're older and married now. They have their own kids, so it's just one of those things where you know, if you can impact the kid's life in a positive way, it's it's always a good thing. Anytime you can give back to uh, you know to the fans of the game, whether it's the you know the parents of the kids who's who are participating in sports or the kids themselves, it's it's always a good thing. And one of the nice things that we're seeing more and more is these athletes really getting it. Uh, you know, in the Chicagoland era, you can go all the way back to you know historic times. Uh, especially with the Blackhawks and Stan Makita, uh, he was legendary about giving back to the community. And more and more, we're seeing athletes from all sports give back to their communities. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, one of those things where it's really good to give back to your kids, and especially yeah. with the Bears. I mean, we've seen a lot of stuff with the Bears last few years. They're really, really yeah, active right. in, in charities. So, I mean, it's just always positive to see those those really nice stories. It it, it sure does beat the, the the really negative stuff out there. Yes. Glenda, when uh, when you were talking about uh, Devin, it, it was it was interesting to to see about this this uh, uh, GoFundMe page, and uh, if you could possibly post a link to that. Uh, you know, to uh, the Halitech Hall site on Twitter so we can get that word out. Obviously, if we can get some help uh, to Devin's organization to get uh, some funds going for him, obviously, uh, uh, that's always a good thing. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. So earlier today, the, uh, the Bears talked about uh, the quarterbacks finally getting a chance to throw the ball to uh, some of the, the receivers. Uh, so, Lester, I'm, I'm going to start with you on, on this one. Um, you know, Matt Nagy sounded encouraged uh, by what he saw from both quarterbacks. Obviously, it's too early to tell who had the edge, and I don't think he would have said if anybody had an edge after one practice thrown to the receivers with no defenders guarding him. But it was nice to hear that the, the mechanics were good, the, uh, the foot the footwork was solid, uh, and they seem to have uh, some good rapport with the receivers. 
Yeah, at this point in the game, I mean, all they can do is it's it's just 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 it's just the the timing, it's the footwork, you know, it's 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 getting things lined up pre-snap. I mean, you know, there are no team drills, it's no seven on seven, it's just basically quarterback and receiver, you know. But getting the proper splits and making sure the guys are lined up properly, I mean, that's something that they have to go through and have to understand. And then you mentioned the the the, the footwork, the fundamentals, all that stuff. You know, they were happy, but but honestly, at this point in in practice. Um, I'd be surprised if, if the head coach said anything negative because, you know, they really ain't doing anything. Wanda, did you uh, get a chance to hear or see anything uh, out in California about the, the workouts at uh, Hallis Hall over the past few days? Um, you know, it's pretty much the same thing of what, you know, what we've all heard. I, I thought it was interesting how Nagy had mentioned um, about Nick Foles' footwork having improved. Thought that was kind of interesting, um, but I did notice that uh, during just the, the throwing and and as they were going back and forth, uh, just a lot of uh, work between Foles and Trubisky throwing to each other uh, on the run type of thing. So uh, there was that mechanics that they were working on, and then seeing how Trubisky was throwing quite a bit to Colt Komet. Um, just trying to get that relationship going there with the young tight end. So um, I think it's just pretty, you know, pretty much basic, like Lester said. You know, there's really not much until they they do the uh, the drills and the pads and you know up against uh, defenses and and just continued on with with what they need to work on and we'll see what happens from there. Uh, I've been uh, on record saying that uh, I think Mitch Trubisky wins the quarterback competition, whatever competition there is, since there's no preseason games. And I just think that because of his familiarity with the Chicago Bears naggy system, where where Foles is more, you know, Philadelphia and Kansas City, and this is, you know, there's there's some subtle differences. In, in Nagy's scheme here in Chicago than there were in either of those cities. Um, I'm firmly of the belief that, that Mitch Trubisky is going to surprise a lot of people around the league this year, uh, but I want to get you guys, uh, your inputs. So we'll start with Wanda. What do you think is going to be happening during the, I mean, we're four weeks away from, yeah. you know, from tomorrow when this, uh, when this podcast hits the air, um, on on Apple Podcasts and Podbeam, and of course on on the uh, Twitter account, uh, we're going to be inside of four weeks because we usually get it up uh, on Fridays. So we're less than than 27 days from you know the first game in Kansas City if all goes according to plan, and, and of course you know in in four weeks from Sunday. The, the Bears are, are supposed to open in Detroit. So, Wanda, we'll start with you. Who do you think has the edge, and in, in we'll get the start in Detroit, and why? Um, well, it's, it's kind of hard to tell until I, I can see it, but I kind of agree with you there. I think Trubisky wins the starting position. I don't know if he's going to hold on to it, uh, depending, again, on, on his ability to, um, to be able to react quickly on – on the defenses and and whether or not the uh, plays that Maggie calls, if it's going to be a repeat of that um, 2018 season, and if we're going to see Trubisky using his legs at all. But 
if we see Trubisky throwing down the field and, and hitting some pinpoint targets, I, I think we can feel comfortable enough to know he's got that job until he loses it. Um, but I, I, I hope that he really does well. I, I hope he gets that chance to prove himself. And you can tell by the way that, you know, he worked out this uh, off season and uh, he looks pretty uh, stout um, in, in his physique and, and what he is bringing to the table. So I think maybe that fire that was lit under his rear end uh, with the competition of Foles, uh, you know, gave him an opportunity to prove himself. And I did like what he said. He said he, he didn't blame him for not, you know, uh, taking on that fifth-year option uh, yet and let him prove that he deserves to have that that starting job and, and that job as a quarterback, uh, franchise quarterback. But if, if Nick Foles does what he needs to do and, and can continue on uh, even better at what he did in Philadelphia, you know, we've, we've got a really good competition, and, and I just want to see it on the field. Lester, your turn. Yeah, pretty much my stance have been head and chains. I mean, I would love to see, to, to see Mitch do it. Um, I think, you know, if he could just come out there and just have a, have a great camp and, and prove that he is that dude that was the, a, a top draft pick and, and prove that he's that guy, and that's the best thing for the franchise. I mean, he's young, he's athletic, you know, but, but honestly, based on the film I saw last year, based on his, his struggles in the scheme, you know, you can't just keep doing the same thing. You have to evolve yourself as a player. You have to evolve within an offense. And, and, and Trubisky cannot evolve what he wanted to do within the scheme last year. Everyone want to say, well, the, the offense should have been dumbed down for him. Well, if you do that, then you're, you're playing in, into the defense's hands. You have to evolve. You have to do things differently. You have to throw different wrinkles at, at the defense. And Mitch couldn't do it last year at, at a high level. So, you know, based on what I saw him do last year, I think Foles probably has the mental edge. Um, but like I said, I think it would be great if it could be Mitch. I think that's what everyone would love to see happen. But until I see it, until I see him on the field, it's hard to say. But I'm going to go with Foles for now. It's an interesting debate, and we've uh, we've debated it a lot on the the Hall Show. So, uh, um, one of the things that that I have struggled with is, you know, I th I think that Mitch Trubisky, first of all, the first game of the year at home against Green Bay, you know, where the the offense absolutely did nothing, was just a shock. That to the system that the entire team never re recovered from. And then when you took into the account that the offensive line was horrid, especially against the run, and, you know, they were, they being the, you know, defensive coordinators, you know, they were daring Trubisky to pass, and they were rushing him incessantly. Uh, he had little time in the pocket, even his best game of the year against uh, the, for, the 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 team formerly known as the Redskins, uh, you know he still he, he had a red he had a red zone interception, uh, but when you look at the tape, you know Kyle Long was pushed back and literally in his lap when he was trying to release the ball, which caused the ball to be errantly thrown and picked off. So I think that. So over the course of the early part of the year when he started to struggle, and he had some good games, you know, that, that last drive against Denver that set up the winning kick 
was a hell of a drive. Uh, but I, I think that he suffered from a lack of confidence because he, of what was going on in front of him with the, with the line. You know, the, the line, I can't remember which website or which, which place I saw the statistic, but, you know, they, they missed on average about nine blocks per game as a, as a unit. And they were a lot worse earlier in the year. They got a little bit better towards the end of the year after they, you know, they replaced Kyle Long and they, they moved, um, you know, white hair back to center and the continuity started to get a little bit better. But, you know, there were plenty of times when, when Coward was supposed to release from a, the, the double team block he was on and get to the second level. And the guy in the second level came up into the hole and stopped the running back before he got anywhere. So, and then just one thing led after the other. And, and then we talk about the, uh, you know, all the work he's done in the off season and this, uh, this shoulder strength in balance that uh, the the uh, the uh, Lake Forest uh, Sports Club helped repair, and I I think that he's kind of got a new lease on life because he's a he's healthy, b he's stronger, c he's got a whole new battery of coaches around him, and he's got a more complete uh, set of weapons now that we've got the tight ends that can actually get open and or dominate in the middle of the field, which opens up the rest of the, the passing game. So that's my thought. I, I hope I'm not putting way too much in it and I've overthought it, but I, I really do think that eventually uh, we're going to turn a lot of heads this year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, we know what we think we have with the addition of, of, uh, Gibson and Gibson and and Quinn um, and and Jalen uh, Johnson. So I think defensively uh, they they should be you know a, a top five unit, let alone top ten. And all we need to be is you know in the mid you know between between thirteen and twenty statistically offense and you know we've we've got a team that's going to be destined for the playoffs if we play a full seven uh, 16 game season lester yeah i mean i agree if, if the bears get if the bears get confident quarterback play i mean i've, I've been saying all offseason if their quarterback is decent they'll be in the playoffs i mean the defense is too good you know the offense a lot of people say they don't have playmakers but you know, there's some pretty good players on that side of the ball. Just a matter of if the quarterback's going to get get the ball to them, and if that's the case, and the ball gets there with with a chance to make some some moves, you know, after the catch, and and if the run scheme is a little more uh, fluid this season, if if the change they made there with 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 Coach Castillo and bringing in bringing the right guard, if that works out, you know, then I think this Bears team's in the playoffs. But but ultimately, all it comes down to the quarterback. If the quarterback is is more efficient, if he can run the offense smoothly. This team is back in the playoffs. Wanda, final word on on Mitch and Nick. Yeah, I agree with uh, Lester. You know, it's it's really all 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 about what they can do uh, once they get on the field, and you know whether it's Trubisky or, or Nick Foles. You know, it's it's how they get the ball out, how they read the schemes, how you know how well, like Lester was talking about, that run game uh, gets going. You know, that was. 
um, missing last last season. We need to see that much more. Uh, a strong O-line, and, and hopefully these new coaches are, are uh, really putting the pressure on these guys to to do their job. Um, and then to see some of these wide receivers come out and, and really get a chance to, you know, to ball out. You know, we didn't get to see Riley Ridley do anything uh, last season and, and, and like to see if he can do something. Javon Wims, just, I just want to see these guys, you know, completely ball out and, and, do what they're trained to do and uh, see that the coaching staff is really putting um, a lot of pressure on them to be the best and to do uh, what they need to do out in the field. And if that requires some of them to really be working on blocking skills and, and uh, holding out the plays that they need to, to get out there, then I think it's going to be a very well-rounded uh, team and they're going to be able to uh, get some, uh, leverage, and then as the defense goes, you know we know there's a you know, uh, coach Pagano mentioned the um, the competition with safeties. So wanting to see what what happens there, I'm excited to see uh, Smith um, getting in there with with a, a new physique. You know he he was known uh, in college to be a sideline a sideline linebacker, and to see if if he can get that speed up there and and really just um, nail some of the, the run game and passing games that we've had uh, some uh, troubles with. I'd love to see uh, just the defense back up uh, to what it, it can be with uh, healthy players. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I totally think they would make it to the playoffs if in all sides of the ball if they're consistent. We mentioned the physique of players, uh, and you mentioned Roquan, and we talked about Trubisky. Uh, and earlier in the show, Lester, you just mentioned the, the running back position. And, and uh, David Montgomery uh, basically reported to camp uh, at about the same weight he was last year, but his body fat was reduced by almost a third. So he's leaner and stronger. And when you take a look at the fact that he didn't, didn't Montgomery uh, – wasn't he in the top tier of, of uh, yards after contact or breaking tackles? And if he's stronger and leaner and faster uh, and they get some blocking that actually don't miss blocks like they did last year, uh, I can't see him running for less than 1,200 yards. Yeah, that, you know, it'd be great going for 1,200. I think he's for sure going to hit 1,000. You know, the way he finished up strongly, you know, his vision seemed to get better as the year went on. Um, he, he had some issues early in the year where he was going to the wrong hole, where he was just kind of reading things differently. I think he was still kind of getting, getting adjusted to the speed in the NFL as well. So so once he got adjusted to the speed, he knew what, what he couldn't, couldn't do at this level. Um, I think he got better, and you mentioned that he came into camp in great shape. You know, his, his body fat was down. Um, he did some some great work the last two years with uh, the the footwork king on Twitter. You can follow his stuff. You see all the great work that he's doing there. So, you know, he's 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 quick. He's he's ready. He's healthy. He's ready to go. Yeah, Wanda, you know, a, a case could be made for Montgomery actually being underused last year, but he ran for more than 800 yards and. Uh, you know, he also uh, had, uh, what, three or 400 yards receiving, but, you know, he only he only ran the ball, I think, 
20 times or more in just four games last year. So you could say he was used fairly, fairly adequately, but you could make a case for him being underused as well. Oftentimes, uh, you know, he, he was out of the game on passing situations because Tariq Cohen was put in at running back. I think that with, uh, with the new offense that we're going to see, or the the new scheming that they're going to be doing, I think you're going to see Montgomery be more of a three-back presence and Cohen being more uh, used as strictly a a receiver. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think think, uh, they'll probably use uh, Tariq more as a slot and and just really uh, uh, bring back the three-down back that we've, you know, that's been bear tradition. And I think uh, uh, Montgomery is going to be able to uh, complete that and do what they need to do. So I think last season he could have easily broken over a thousand yards. And I completely agree. I think he could easily break a thousand yards, uh, you know, this season if they if they utilize him uh, correctly in in um, just different run schemes if they can concentrate on on doing that. And a lot of it depends on the O line. They've got to. They've got to give him some open lanes and, and do the blocking that they need to do to give him that opportunity. You know, we were talking a lot over the last previous episodes about uh, Mitch Trubisky with his work with a, with a uh, uh, sports company out, out in uh, not far from their headquarters. But in addition to everything we heard about Montgomery, uh, he did some work uh, with somebody on Twitter that, that goes by the Twitter handle Footwork King to improve his mechanics and footwork. So in addition to the fact that he's leaner, he's stronger, he's quicker, he worked a lot on his footwork during the offseason as well. So Lester, you know, I'm, I'm actually reading this for the first time. I didn't know anything about this, uh, this Footwork King. Uh, have you had a chance to to look into to uh, what what Montgomery did with the with the footworking? Yeah, he 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 worked with him last offseason too. I mean, he, he I'm not sure where he's based out of, but he he's one of the premier guys that the NFL players go to. You know, he works with NFL college high school kids. He works pretty much with anyone. It's like uh, uh, one of those camps where he just has guys come in and. Yeah, he does great work. I mean, he's his guys have always uh, posted really, really, really nice videos on Twitter, on Instagram. You know, he, he he's the real deal. I mean, he, he coached these guys hard and and uh, he usually gets results. Yeah, apparently, according to his uh, Twitter account, he's based in Houston. Wanda, have you heard of this guy before? Yeah, yeah, I, I've heard of a couple of players that have uh, that have used him. Um, I've seen his name off and on. Uh, so he he's he does a lot of really interesting drills to get um, uh, running backs and wide receivers to really um, uh, utilize the footwork. Uh, some of those are just in in typical uh, ladder type of form, uh, back and forth quickness, and just uh, being able to uh, uh, quick turns. So when they uh, when they come through the run, uh, they'll do you know, a, a typical, um, you know, jerk to the left or jerk to the right, but really quick footwork. So it's really impressive to see. I've seen some of the 
videos um, that uh, I've seen float around YouTube and stuff. So it's interesting to see how how it works, and uh, I, I would love to see how Montgomery will be able to cut quicker um, in it. And I think that was one of the the main things is being able to step and cut without putting any pressure in uh, uh, on the knees. Because I think I believe I believe I read that somewhere where. That's one of the, the big things about football, uh, the footwork king, is that he really works hard on you being able to, as a player, not to damage your knee when you need to cut quickly through the lanes. And, and with practice, he says, you're able to do that very smoothly and very fast. So all good stuff, uh, which is, uh, which, it, it gets my juices flowing when you when you hear and read about all these guys that have come back and they're in better shape than when they left. And one of the, the biggest mysteries in this offseason was how were the athletes going to become coming back when they got here? Were they going to be out of shape, uh, you know, back Back in the even going back to this, the Bears Super Bowl victory in the, in the mid '80s, you know they were doing two two a days and Nutcracker Gerald's because they had to because they didn't really do conditioning all year round like the athletes of today do, and they needed that uh, that hitting and and the the two a days to really get themselves in into shape before the season began. So one uh, one. One athlete that you mentioned, Wanda, earlier in the show was was Roquan, and you know there was uh, a little bit of a of a stir uh, in Twitter when Roquan was seen uh, partying out on a on uh, the Atlantic Ocean in South Florida uh, with with a couple of uh, entertainers, let's just say, and and he looked maybe a little out of shape, but when he got to to Hallis Hall uh, over the last two weeks. You know, none of that was it was evident, and he, he came he came in in just absolute top shape. So, Wanda, I'll let you go first on this one. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a young guy, and he's he's gonna do what he does. Um, but when it came to when it came to time for football, um, you know, I, I believe this young man is taking it seriously, and. He knows this is his job and his livelihood. And, you know, last year he had some um, some personal issues that he was trying to work through. And as long as he doesn't carry that, you know, that over into the field and, and it's business, as he gets on that field, then the the drive should be, you know, we're, we're going for a championship. We need to win back the NFC North. We need to do what gets this team to the Super Bowl. And with the fired up, Danny Trevathan, who wants to um, to really be the best linebacker um, among the greatest in, in Bears history, then then I think you're going to see a a tandem uh, between Trevathan and Smith and and the other linebackers that are there. But that tandem between those two, I think you're going to see an, an exciting uh, uh, bunch with these guys. And I think Raquan is is really going to step up and and play the part that he was uh, picked as a first-round pick, I think he's really going to uh, do what he needs to do. I think this is the stuff he does on the offseason, get it out of the system, do what, you know, have fun and relax as he did, and 
and now he's back into business and doing what he's paid to do. And and I think uh, I think he he came back strong to prove that um, he's ready to play. We can only hope. Lester, last year, you know, he went AWOL. I believe it was what the uh, the home game against Minnesota, and you know, Nagy was very magnanimous about the whole thing, and we need to give him time to do his his thing personally, and and it was never really discussed. So now that we're you know eight months removed from from that incident. Do we, did we ever figure out exactly what the hell happened to, to Roquan that week? Um, I saw it reported by someone I trust very well that it was a personal medical issue. And, and I'm not going to take it any further than that because, you know, obviously it's its own personal business. But, I mean, it was, from what I understand, it was something that was, that was, that was real. It was legitimate. Uh, he had to take a little time off. He had to take care of some, some personal stuff. And, and, and once he was able to, he came back. I think he only missed a, a game there plus the bye. So, you know, it, it happened. Uh, he was a young guy, and, and something happened, and he had to, uh, you know, go ahead and, and, and get through it. And, and, and now, like you guys said, he's, he's in great shape. Uh, he, 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 he took his, his brief time off in, in the offseason to kind of have fun. But then after that, he got back to work, which is what all these guys do. I mean, these guys are all professionals now. You, you know, from what you were saying, you know, it's, it's not like the old days where you had to come into camp to get in the shape. These guys show up to camp in great shape. I know uh, uh, Bilal Nichols has a great uh, YouTube channel that shows him working out. Uh, Roy Robinson Harris, he also did some stuff with the uh, the, 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 the footwork king this offseason. You know, so a lot of these guys, they, they take their craft very seriously. Uh, and, and, and they understand, especially with what's going on. You know, there were no OTAs. You know, there were no camps uh, early in, in the summer. So so they had to, to buckle down and go to work. And and uh, they're all pretty much, you know, and, you know, you, it, 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 it's, it's a cliche, but they all are, seem to be in the best shape of their life. One of the things that we've we've seen often over the past several years is from the last mini camp in June is, you know, because they, they go through – they go through April, they go through May, they have a couple of, you know, they have several sessions of OTAs, they have a, a rookie mini camp, then they have a veterans mini camp, then they have a mini camp for the entire squad. And then they say, get away from football. Just get away for a, a couple of weeks and get mentally prepared for the grind when training camp hits. Well, we had none of that. So is, is there a line of thought out there? And Lester, I'll start with you. Is there a line of thought out there saying that that with this new way that that things have to be done this year, that you're going to have uh, you know, we might have some more mistakes in terms of scheme and in uh, the continuity of the game plan and blocking schemes and whatnot. But uh, we're going to see fresher legs uh, early in the season. So you're going to see um, a little bit different. Uh, you know, speed than we see when we normally see at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. I mean, the, the, the thing with this year is all 32 teams are, are playing under the same set of rules. So it's not like you have a team like the Bears electing to sit most of their starters and then they show up week one and they're kind of uh, lethargic and rusty and they're kind of, you know, a little bit behind some of the teams. So, so I think that the teams, you know, it, it may be sloppy football at first, 
But then again, if, if everyone's got a little bit of that sloppiness, it may not even show up and it may just look like, you know, what we're expecting to see NFL football. So, uh, you know, I think that that's a possibility. Um, but I, I know in, in the long run, I, I think the goal of the NFLPA is to even cut back, you know, pad of practices even more. I mean, they, they, you know, they, they've been trying to cut certain practices off, off of the, off of the year, you know, f- forever now. And, and if, if, if football goes off without a hitch, if there's not an increase in injuries this year, you know, they may look to this and say, hey, you know, our, our, our product was still as good as ever. You know, maybe we should cut back a couple of these camps in the summer and let these guys do their own thing because they prove that they can do it. It was a, it's an interesting scenario. And like you said, depending on what happens early in the year with, uh, you know, with, with the product on the field, and hopefully we don't see a lot of soft tissue injuries uh, that, you know, is, has plagued in several teams early on in, in the season. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. I think you're going to see them cut back to just two preseason games. And uh, it would be interesting. I think that the 17-game schedule is inevitable, but I would really hope that we'd ultimately go to one preseason game and an 18-game schedule. Wanda, you know, we've been talking about some of the uh, the Bears that have really shown up in in prime or sometimes the best conditions of their lives. Uh, another another athlete that was singled out uh, by Nagy when the, the the guys were first reporting into House Hall a couple of weeks ago was uh, Akeem Hicks, and that's so important that he is healthy. Uh, that he gets back to what he, the dominant force that he was, uh, especially because we've now we've got a hole in the middle of the lineup with Eddie Goldman, uh, you know, taking the year off and, and opting out because of COVID. Right. I think uh, um, I think with Hicks, you know, he's he's worked so hard to get to the position that that he's in and. Uh, for the first time, you know, last the last time he was in Pro Bowl and and got that first nod that was well deserved, and then to be just riddled with injury last year, trying to go out and play even through the pain. I mean, you know, he is truly a bear at heart. Um, so for him to come back just lean and and ready to go and ready to uh, to take that position again. Um, uh, you know, I think it's it's fantastic because basically he's just said, look, I, I've had all the off season to be able to recuperate, to be um, in the best shape of my life, and I'm going to go out there and and we're going to be the dogs uh, that we are out in the field. And uh, Hicks takes it very seriously uh, out there, and I think he just wants to, um, you know, to prove that that uh, the Bears defense deserves to be back on top uh, as they were before. I think the whole scheme, to be honest, of, of where the Bears are is to be, you know, they had that taste of that 2018 season and then and then to drop off the way they did last season, it left a bad taste in their mouth. And to see them come back so on fire, so ready, so prepared physically to, you know, to be that team that they know they can be, I mean, that should excite every Bears fan. I think you're right. And you you hear the, I mean, almost to a man, uh, the, even with the 
the new guys, um, you know, the safety Gibson, the the, the rookie cornerback uh, Johnson. The, these guys all have this edge to them. And, you know, I, for one, I'm, I can't wait for the season to get started. You know, they have to go against Detroit and Matt Stafford had a tremendous beginning of the season and then he got hurt. But even, you know, even with his, his tremendous start to the season, the team as a whole didn't perform. Uh, what did I, you know, they were under 500 when, when he went down, but you know, he's that, that's a guy that's got a lot of pride, but the bears have always seemed to play Matt Stafford very well. And I, I can't wait to see what this defense does with, you know, the front seven, you know, and especially their, their, their starting four linebackers. I'll put them against with Quinn and, and Quinn, Quan, Trevathan, and, and Khalil Mack. I'll put those four against any linebacking core in the NFL because that's got to be the, the core of this unit. And if they can get pressure on the, the, the quarterback, that frees up the, the secondary to be a little bit more aggressive that they couldn't afford to be last year because they weren't getting to the, the quarterback as often as they did in 2018. And then of course that, that reduced the number of interceptions and turnovers that, that uh, really was the key to the bears defense in 2018. So it's going to be interesting to see one guy that we haven't heard about. And I want to get uh, and Lester. I'm going to start with you with this question is, Last year, um, it started to, to kind of leak out in the offseason that Tariq Cohen wasn't exactly in the top physical condition that he was in 2018. Uh, I don't know if that rumor was ever verified or not, but one of the things that plagued Tariq's play last year was drop passes. And I haven't heard anything uh, in, in the limited time that I've been able to be on Twitter and the, and the Bears pages this summer, uh, I haven't heard anything about about Tariq Cohen other than him constantly talking about the video games he plays. <laughs> so um, what's up with Tariq? I mean, yeah, that's definitely something that was that was confirming yeah, with, with Cohen. He actually uh, verified it himself. He said that he wasn't in the best of shape. You know, he, he didn't have the right stretching routine down. He said when he was younger in his career, he kind of relied on the veteran on, on the roster, like a guy like uh, uh, Benny Cunningham to kind of help him along there. And, and with, with him gone, he was kind of on his own and, and he kind of let his, his, his workout slip a little bit. Um, but, but he, he understands what he has to do now to be ready to play football. And, and, and he understands it and he's in better shape this year. He had a, a much better uh, off season routine. He has a better in season routine now to keep himself, you know, where he needs to be. And then you mentioned the drops. The drops, the drops killed him last year. I think he he, he led uh, uh, led the team in drops. Um, I think part of Cohen's problem is I think when he was really successful is when he was playing running back that would go play receiver on occasion. Uh, whereas last year he played a little too much receiver. And if if you're matching up Tariq Cohen uh, against a linebacker or you're matching up Tariq Cohen against a cornerback. I like the first matchup a little better myself. So if we can keep him more, a little bit more a tailback, you know, get him matched up on those linebackers or safeties in, in, in coverage instead of lining him up where he's being covered by, you know, someone who's it's the job to cover. I'd rather see Cohen kind of be used more that way. And then 
and if he's kind of used as, as a, little, a little less a tailback as well, where he's running the ball, you know, with Nagy, he's got to find a way to not tip some of his, his pitches, so to speak. That's one thing that Matt Nagy admitted he had a problem with last year, too. He kind of was a little too predictable. So I think the team as a whole really self-scouted themselves really well. And, and like, like you guys are saying, you know, I'm excited for the season to start. It should be a, a fun one. Wanda, your turn. Yeah, I think uh, I think sometime this this summer. I mean, uh, yeah, that that I thought I saw Tariq remind um, somebody about because uh, somebody had mentioned something about his catches, his drop catches, and he he reposted his video flip where he was, you know, where he flipped and caught the ball uh, uh, while flipping over. Um, doing a, a, you know, whatever you call those somersaults or whatever. Uh, back, and, uh, he, yeah, he didn't do a backflip, yeah, but back he flip. actually caught, he caught two balls at the same time. Right. So, so he was, he was trying to prove that his catching skills are still good. Um, and, and he was going to leave it, leave it there, you know, and I, and I agree with Lester. I think, you know, um, not so much if, if he's got that many drops to continue having him in a, in a receiving uh, position, uh, might not be that great of an idea, but if they use him in that tailback position, maybe, um, you know, we can have some uh, success there. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it was really bad to see how he reacted last season in uh, just some simple plays that he just could not get get around. So uh, to see that, that he would improve uh, this year and see what how they're going to use him, would be interesting because you have so many, um, so many receivers that they have right now to see how they're going to utilize them would be uh, interesting. But I'd, I'd like to see how they're going to use Tariq and, and how big of an impact he's going to make um, this season. Let's, uh, let's hope he's more of the, the Tariq Cohen we saw in 2018 and not the Tariq Cohen we saw in 2019. This episode of Halitech Hall, we've got Lester Wilfong joining us uh, is, uh, by, by sitting in for Aaron Torricelli, who's uh, away this week, and uh, our other special guest, Wanda Weidman from Artur Football. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, TickSplits.com, and when we come back, uh, the, uh, a couple of uh, the major conferences in football made a staggering announcement uh, earlier this week. Uh, is Aaron Rodgers going to be a bear in the future? Uh, and, uh, and what about how many fans are going to be allowed in stadiums? So we're going to look at those topics in a few more when we come back. I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of Tick Splits? Who? Tick Splits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TIXBLITZ.com today. TickSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. That's TickSplits.com. Com for all of your ticket needs, whether it's sports, concerts, Broadway, use the promo code TAILGATE, that's T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, all in caps to save 5% when you can finally get out of your house and start going to live events. Uh, we've been joined this evening by Lester Wolfram from Windy City Gridiron and Wada Whiteman from Arthur Football. And 
last towards the end of last week, the MAC conference dropped a bombshell saying that they were going to suspend all fall sports uh, for the MAC. And then just what yesterday, uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 followed suit. Uh, was hell of a bombshell because you know the they had just recently they being the Big Ten had just recently announced their all conference schedule for football and now all of a sudden uh, they're not playing and I think you know one of the one of the biggest reasons why is is some the same thing that 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 was being rambled about by the NFL players in the we want to play movement where all of uh, the star athletes got on Twitter and started voicing their opinion about we got to get these safety pro- protocols in place. And quite frankly, uh, the, the talk around uh, college football was they all were just waiting for COVID to go away. And now that it hasn't gone away, uh, they 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 are left with a huge lack of of safety protocols to protect players and staff. So Lester, we'll we'll start with you. Uh, quite a shock when the the Big Ten and, and the Pac-12 came out with their announcements this week. Yeah, yeah, everything like you said. It seemed like they were moving moving ahead and they're going to try and do a, a limited schedule at least and. And, and then the news broke that they were not going to have it. I mean, I, we still haven't heard from the SEC or, or a couple of the big conferences. So I got a feeling someone somewhere is going to play some some football. I know even some teams in the Big Ten, they're not happy with the decision. You know, they're going to try and figure out a way to play this year. So, I mean, ultimately, if, if the kids are on campus and they have no campus restrictions, you know, if they're not going to restrict what the kids do, the student athletes shouldn't have the restrictions either. But 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 it, it it's, it's all about the, the health and safety of the players you know, n- not having a way to, to put them in a bubble. I mean, we're watching what happened in, 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 in baseball with some of the issues they had. Um, the, the, the basketball and hockey team have done it right. The NFL, for whatever reason, you know, we haven't really seen too much, I think. I think the NFL kind of saw what's going on there with other leagues, and, and they're not in a bubble per se, but I think the, the players understand that they have to just go about their business. They got to, you know, go to the field, go home. You know, no going out to the club, no going to restaurants, no going to parties. I think for the most part, you're going to see most of the NFL players, you know, so far anyway, you know, that's what they've kind of been doing. When you're talking about the college athlete, you're talking about, you know, kids that are, you know, still kind of, you know, trying to figure out their way in life. You know, I'm not sure if you want to trust that on them. So I'm sure that had something to do with the decision made to cancel those seasons. Wanda, one of the, uh, I can't remember which coach it was. I think it was the, the head coach for, Nebraska, who's been very um, loud and vocal about wanting to play football this year, regardless of whether it's sanctioned by the Big Ten or not. But one of the one of the coaches was, and I I can't I can't really disagree with what was said. He said, "Look, we can control these guys if they're we we don't have students at, in at campus." Uh, because a lot of the the learning is going to be virtual, at least in the fall semester. So we've got the best medical staffs around. We we can keep an eye on them. They can they can be pretty much in a bubble to to uh, to use that word that's been overused uh, in the in the COVID world uh, in their dorms, rather than 
eliminating the seasons, sending them home to be out and going to parties and not staying home. And then they end up going to, if they're going to get sick, they're going to get sick anyway. So, you know, one of the, one of the comments, which was actually pretty lame was if they're going to get sick, regardless, they might as well play football. And then when they can't, when they can't play football because they've got the virus, we'll take the steps to quarantine them. So, it's just a, I mean, obviously this is something the likes which we've never seen. And, you know, I'm, I'm older. I probably am old as, as the sum of both of your, your ages on this earth. <laughs> and I've never, and I've never seen anything like this. Uh, you know, of course I'm not old enough to go back to the, to the flus of, uh, of the, you know, the 19, you know, 14, 17 era. I'm not that old. But uh, I think you guys get what I'm trying to say. So, so Wanda, um, what are your thoughts about the premise that that college can take care of a, a, a 90 you know man squad of teenagers and, and young men in their early 20s as opposed to not having any football at all? You know, I, I think what hurt and 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 actually was the catalyst to this decision was was the USC and UCLA um, frat houses that, that had the numerous amounts of COVID positive cases. And so because of that, that's like, okay, well, we can't trust these, these guys to be able to, you know, to uh, stay away from the parties and, and, and take this seriously. So we're going to opt out. But I think, you know, it's time. I mean, these are college guys. They're, they're men that if they want this as their future to be in the NFL, then it's make or break right now, right here. Here's what we do. These are the rules. This is what we're going to do. It's worked for all these other uh, sports as, as you know, discussed, and it can be done. Uh, they can move forward in it, but I think there is a fear factor here and a trust issue for the Big Ten and, um, you know, and the Pac-12 to decide they're not going to be involved in it. You have the ACC and the SEC that have, have not um, backed out yet. And yet they're looking at we can, you know, we can do what we do if we, we have the teams that are serious about it and want to play. So I think it's, it's really just a matter of, you know, uh, seeing how this works out, if if uh, the SEC and the ACC continue uh, to um, to go through with it, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Because I think they're going to shoot themselves in the foot by not having this. Now you're you're talking about uh, having spring leagues that's going to run into the fall leagues, and you're going to have them too close together. Run into the NFL draft. And any of the uh, bowl, like the you know senior bowls and the and the East-West Shrine games, uh, how is all that going to fit? And it's going to wear and tear these young people to where they get drafted, and then when it's ready for training camp, they're all injured because now they've just been pushed to the brink. So, so I think they really carefully need to look at this again before they say, you know what, maybe we thought about this. We could probably implement this. We've talked to the NFL to see how they're handling it, and we can impose the same things 
on uh, on our on our teams to do the same things and hold them accountable in the same way. Lester, it's it's been obviously a a summer which we've never seen the likes of in in the history of of sport as as we know it. As as Wanda mentioned, uh, it, there seems to be. Uh, a thought process with these uh, the three of the other of the other power five conferences that they're going to try to go about business as as usual so you've got what the the big 12 you've got the acc and you've got the sec uh, but if they all decide to opt out at the last minute um, there's been some chatter uh ian Rappaport re re reported it earlier today that the nfl might be a little flexible and move a couple of their games to Saturday. So that's an interesting scenario. And, and at least I can see the, the games in which the teams are playing the following Thursday uh, get flexed to Saturday, uh, even if it's a primetime game. And that gives them that one extra day to get, to get ready for a, a Thursday night game, which might even lead to a little bit better play on Thursdays. Historically, Thursday football has been pretty brutal. Um, but last year, uh, just about every single Thursday night game turned out to be a, an exciting contest. What is your thoughts about if the uh, if the other three power conferences decide to opt out, moving some games to a Saturday? Yeah, I think there'll be something they're going to have on the table, but. I mean, if, if, if just one or two uh, conferences decide to stay and play, you know, obviously it's going to be scrapped in the NFL, but, but, but ultimately if, if, if a few conferences play and some don't, it's really going to, it's really going to hurt those teams that, that, uh, that aren't playing. I mean, they're going to have a, a, a full year of no football, you know, their, their best players are going to go pro at some point because, you know, they're not going to want to stick around and, and waste a year of their, their possible prime time as a professional. You know, but one thing that's not really talked up, I mean, it, it may be too quick to get things going now, but the XFL is back. Uh, the XFL has a brand new owner and, and you know, it, it may not be able to get things going, you know, for this season. It just, you know, it's, 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 it's too quick to happen, but I think the following year, if they have a good plan in place, you know, I think something like this, where you're going to have a lot of, uh, a lot of college players that are just going to want to go pro. They're not going to want to take a chance, you know, sticking around in college, you know, they're all not going to make it in the NFL. You know, so you should see a bigger influx of talent going to the XFL, and that should help that that spring league if it is in the spring. But the the the, the thing about it is, is, is it may be another a viable option for a, a a real developmental league. You know, they may not partner with the NFL, but the fact that the the quality of play is better, you know, they're getting better athletes. It's going to be their developmental league. I think you're right. In fact, when the XFL debuted last year, uh, I had absolutely no issues with the quality of play. You knew it wasn't going to be up to the speed of the NFL, but there was a lot of competitive games. And, you know, you know, a, a few of the athletes that were in the XFL parlayed that when they went belly up because of COVID. Uh, they ended up signing contracts and, and are now on NFL teams. So it was, uh, I was excited about the prospect of the XFL until COVID hit and, you know, ultimately forced the cancellation of the season. And then through, of course, through the league in, into bankruptcy. 
Uh, so it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. So obviously the the next big question is, are you, are we still optimistic there's going to be NFL this year? And I think the the answer to that question lies in this answer. After teams reported to camp and several players, including there were what two or three on the Bears that were put on the the COVID reserve list. Uh, we haven't seen any real m- more players being added to that list. And in fact, in the case of the Bears, everybody cleared that list and either is back on the roster or ultimately got waived. So I think that it's an encouraging sign that we're not hearing more and more players being added to a COVID list. They're all coming off the list and staying off it as opposed to, uh, you know, what's going on in, in Major League Baseball, first with the Miami, uh, the Miami Ball Club and now more recently with the St. Louis Cardinals. And when the, when, even when the Cleveland Indians were here playing the White Sox in Chicago, two pitchers got kicked off the team for a couple of days because they decided that they were going to go out with friends who, because they one of the pitchers grew up in the Chicago area, and they decided to go out with some friends for pizza or something. And one got caught, the other one didn't until they got back to Cleveland, and then they found out that he was with the the uh, the pitcher that that went out with family, and he got said just you know get away from the team for a few days, and we'll test you when you when you test negative a few times, we can we'll put you back on the roster. I mean, that's just ludicrous thinking by these athletes. You know, the, you know, what was it? The St. Louis, it all started with a couple of uh, Cardinals uh, that went to a casino in, I believe it was Philadelphia. I mean, just stupidity that put themselves at risk, but we're not seeing that in the NFL. Yeah, pretty, pretty much just takes one nut head to kind of ruin it for everybody. And there's one, you know, guy that 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 really is is a, a conspiracy theorist or whatever you want to call it, and, and he just doesn't believe what's going on, and he wants to do his own thing, and he has a couple guys that go with him. You know, I mean, that's really all it takes, and all of a sudden you have an outbreak. So, you know, we saw it in, in, in Major League Baseball. You know, we've been pretty lucky in, in the NFL. Like we talked about, I think these players just realize, you know, they know they have to be smart and safe. They understand what, what's what's at stake here. You know, it's it's a little different to where you're they're only playing once a week. You know, they're not on the road constantly like it is in baseball. So, you know, they understand that if they want to play football, you know, they have to be smart. Their families have to be smart. And I believe the NFL actually had a uh, had 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 a, had, a, had a talk with the families to kind of educate them as well as far as what's going on. And I know I know the Bears did. You know, they made sure everyone in that household for the player understands what's at stake this year what's safe, what's not safe, what to do, what not to do, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, I, I hope the pole season can go off without a hitch, you know, so, so far so good, but, uh, you know, only time will tell with this one. Wanda, what's your take? And this is kind of an interesting thing between baseball and, and football. You've got 80 man rosters in the NFL currently because nobody's been cut, you know, of course, well, 10 players from each team got cut to get from 90 to 80 going forward. But you've got, you know, a 28 man roster in, in major league baseball in a much smaller coaching staff than you have for NFL teams. But yet the NFL and the athletes 
on these teams have really taken this pandemic to heart where baseball and, you know, let's say baseball rosters are a little bit older than NFL rosters because, you know, you've got, you've got a lot of players in the, in major league baseball that are in their late twenties to mid thirties. And some even in their, their upper thirties that you quite frankly, unless you're Tom Brady, uh, you or or Adam Vinatieri, you you don't have those types of veterans in terms of actual physical age, but yet it the message has gotten through to these eighty man squads that one slip up could force a, a team to lose twenty or thirty players, which could put the entire season at jeopardy for the rest of the teams. And I think that the message has gotten clearly into the heads of, of these kids. Yeah, I agree. Um, just seeing, uh, watching the baseball and seeing how the, how the players are, are trying to be um, very protective, uh, you know, wearing the masks, uh, except for that uh, last um, game. I'm not, I can't remember which one that they already had a brawl. Um, but to be able to, get out there and know that there is a lot at stake. You know, if you're, if you're playing a league right now and you're baseball, you want to get to the World Series. You want to have that, that ability uh, to, to get there and do what you need to do. Uh, the same with uh, the NFL. It's all about the Super Bowl. It was exciting last year. They were able to, you know, you, you saw Kansas City, you know, uh, come how many times they had, had tried to get there. They finally get there. Uh, they they win it big, and now every team wants the same thing. They're all starting at, at you know zero zero, so everything's fresh. So many different changes in so many different leagues. Not the same quarterbacks in the same teams. It's all just everything is different. And to be able to go out there and know that that you have everything on the line, and this is the opportunity to do it. I, I it's just a different mentality right now it seems like a different scheme going on in the nfl that they really really want to make this work and they really want to get football out there and and play the game without having to worry about this person going out and and jeopardizing the whole season so so i think like lester had had mentioned you know the uh that the coaches talking to and the teams talking to the family members and really reiterating how important it is for them to stay healthy, you know, to to stay away from any outside activity, anything that that may possibly jeopardize the season and the livelihood of everybody that's on that team. Because at the end of the day, you know that they're saying everybody on this team, when we get down to that 53-man roster, fought hard to get on that roster. So if you want to get that spot, you're going to do everything possible to keep yourself healthy to get on that spot, you know, and be able to play for the season. Otherwise, you've just jeopardized it for everyone and yourself. So I think they really came across it hard, and they did everything possible to make that work. And I think they also learned that lesson in watching Major League Baseball and what happened with the Florida team and with um, uh, with the whichever team that was. And I can't remember. Um, but they, they were able, yes, the Cardinals. So to be able to see that and see that, that 
okay, this is what happens. We're not doing that. We're going to learn from that, and then we're going to make this work. So I really think that the NFL has it, and to be able to do that, and we'll, we'll see how the season goes, uh, it would be exciting to see that if they can pull this off without there being any major COVID outbreaks. The, uh, the, some of the teams have, have come out and talked about whether or not fans were going to be allowed in the stadium. The, uh, the, the team formerly known as the Redskins, I'm going to have fun with that one all year. Uh, no fans all season will be allowed in, in, in Washington, D.C. The Packers announced that there will be no fans at Lambeau Field for at least the first two games of the season. And I believe it was just recently yesterday, the New Orleans Saints announced that there will be no fans allowed at the Superdome for at least the home opener. Uh, the last I heard about what the Bears were doing, they they basically they sent letters and e emails out to all the season ticket holders saying that your tickets are n no longer valid for this year and you have the option of taking a full refund, but your seat is still reserved for you next year or you can uh, have that, that money applied towards next year's tickets and they were going to sell a limited amount of single game tickets for each home game uh, with, with preferential treatment going to PSL holders, then season ticket holders, and then if there's any left uh, that they would sell to the public. But we haven't heard what that, that amount is. I believe Baltimore stated that they were going to allow up to 14,000 uh, fans in the stands for their games. But, you know, each team is basically doing their own own thing within the realm of what their their state legislatures are going to allow them to do. So I, I ask you this, Lester, since you're you're closest to Chicago and dealing with the with all bears related things every day. Have you heard of any amount of tickets that are going to be sold and when? And if there's any going to be sold to the, the, the beginning of the year. Yeah, I think there's, there's still nothing official from the Bears. I think they're kind of kind of, kind of wait and see what happens. Yeah, but I mean, if, if they want to have fans, I think there's a way to do it. I mean, the Bears stadium seats, you know, what, uh, 65,000. I mean, it's one of the smaller stadiums. But even then, you, if you want to put 10,000 in there and you want to socially distance them, I think that's something that you could do if you do it smartly. I mean, I just saw, on, on, I think it was on Twitter today, where you know there was a music festival taking place overseas somewhere, and they have little platforms for each group, and, and they're all spaced out. It, it looks really kind of neat, actually. It's, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's a new way to watch a concert. But, I mean, I think that's something that the teams can do. If you want to have fans in, have, have families by, by groups of tickets, they're only sitting with themselves. Then, then you have, you know, 10, 15 seats, you know, uh, and then the, 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 the next group is there. So, I mean, that's something they can do if they want to do it. Um, the logistics obviously will be a problem, you know, knowing how many people they have in there to staff it, that's going to be a problem, you know. So I think ultimately I think you're going to see most teams just elect not to, to deal with it. They may see it, see it more of a hassle uh, at this point in the game, but uh, we'll see. I mean, it's definitely whatever whatever happens. It'd be definitely interesting to see how the how the the the, the TV networks and the stadiums themselves deal with what's going to happen. 
Wanda, you're out west, and of course, uh, California got uh, really hit hard in this second wave of COVID. And we've got, you know, brand new stadiums opening up in Los Angeles and Las Vegas. Uh, and it's a shame that there's going to be no fans. I, I believe the, the governor of California has already been on record saying there's going to be no fans in any seat in any stadium uh, for the for the rest of this year. But, uh, you know, that was several weeks ago, and I, I don't know what's transpired there. So living out in California, what are you hearing about the teams out west as far as uh, whether or not fans are going to be allowed in, in NFL stadiums this year? Yeah, I've heard the the pretty much the same thing. There, you know, there's no no fans that are going to be in it. As a matter of fact, the construction crew that's working uh, at the uh, the new stadium for the Rams and, and the Chargers, uh, they had like uh, I think there were maybe 13 to 20 uh, of the construction workers that wind up uh, testing positive for COVID. So uh, that's kind of put a a crimp in the progress of the stadium right now, but uh, usually with the, with the games that they're playing, I don't see how because of where we are uh, with the COVID-19 that they would even allow any fans in the stadium. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones came out today and said that uh, they are definitely going to have fans um, in the stadium. Uh, I think they can only have like a, according to the, governor or mayor of texas um they have a 50 percent capacity they can have in the stadium and jerry jones intends there to be uh football uh, the dallas cowboys playing in front of fans because he thinks it's important uh individually and important for the country so um you know depending on what owners want to take that chance uh, and, and do that. I know for sure uh, they're not going to do it in California. One of the reasons being is that they had a, uh, a something bad happened with the data. So they're not even exactly sure how many positive, how many negative cases. And they're so backlog in the test that uh, they can't take any chances. So Right now, it's it's not even feasible for them to have any um, any sports uh, filled stadiums here uh, whatsoever. When um, earlier this week uh, in our next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, uh, a one of the the best odd couples uh, in, in the NFL in, in in recent history, but. Um, Lester, did did you happen to recall the name of the podcast that Brett Favre was on and the question was posed to him uh, because Aaron Rodgers is on record saying that he doesn't think he's going to finish his career in Green Bay because of the drafting of, of the their their first round draft choice, Jordan Love. And he just says, obviously, they wanted him. They traded up to get him. He's the future of the team. Uh, you know, so he's he's kind of putting this uh, you know air of of doubt whether or not he's going to finish career in Green Bay. Uh, and Brett Favre is on a podcast, and I don't know which one, and maybe one of the two of you can can know what that podcast is. But the question was posed: What team 
would Aaron Rodgers best go to to inflict the most damage on the Packer organization? And Brett Favre said, I'd love to see him sign with the Chicago Bears. And I, th- I thought it was just a, the funniest statement, but when you, when you really take a look at it, if you were going to be vindictive, what better team to sign with to inflict damage on the organization that basically said, you know, you can, you can leave now. We've had, you know, 15 good years. Um, what better team then to go to than Chicago? I don't think it's going to happen, but even the fact that, that Brett Favre even mentioned it, and Lester, we'll start with you. I thought it was was pretty damn funny. Yeah, it's just a weird parallel the way Favre's career and Rodgers' career is going. I mean, you know, they 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 they, they had the other drafted. You know, obviously with with Favre, you know, he, he was still playing and he felt it in his prime. And they drafted Rodgers. And with Rodgers this last year, they drafted Jordan Love. So, you know, he sees the writing on the wall. He understands that the way the contract plays out. You know, at some point you got to turn to your to your your your, your top draft pick and play him. Whether that's, you know, in, in, in 2021, 2022, you know, Aaron Rodgers feels he has, you know, several good years left in the tank. And if, if that's the case, he knows he's going to be gone, whether the, the Packers do a buyout, whether I'm not sure how his contract structured or whether they trade him, you know, but but at some point, you know, they're going to have to address that. And in, if, if love is as good as, as the Packers hope he is, it'll work out for them like it did with, with going from farm to Rodgers. You know, but if not, you know, that's going to be a big, a big problem in Green Bay. I mean, it's and then and, and as far as Aaron Rodgers coming to Chicago, hey, I'd be all for it. I mean, at, at the end of the day, I, I cheer for the player in the jersey. You know, I'm not really too concerned with who it is. If it's Aaron Rodgers, yes, he has a history in Green Bay. He, he's a Packer. I can't stand him right now because he plays for that team. But if he's in Chicago, I'll be right there cheering him on. Wanda, the the big thing that uh, you know the the monkey in the wrench, as it were, is despite the parallels between Favre and Rodgers, the way that that Rodgers and Love were drafted, though the circumstances were completely different. When Rodgers was uh, is sitting in the in the, the blue room waiting for his name to be called. He realistically thought he was going to go one, maybe two overall, and he fell to, what, 20-something when the, the, the Packers basically got him as probably the steal of the first round in the draft in 2005. Whereas this year's draft, Jordan Love, I don't think he was rated that highly, um, you know, by, by the – "Quote unquote draft experts." You you know you had the the, the guys that went in the the first you know five picks of the, of the draft uh, with Burrow and Tua and and Herbert, uh, and then all of a sudden, not only does Green Bay pick a quarterback when they had so many other needs on the offensive side of the ball to surround Rodgers with more talent because of the talent he lost in the off season, but they traded up to get this guy. And it quite frankly, it, it pissed off Aaron Rodgers, and I can't blame him. And as a Packer fan and, and Lester and I Wanda, we actually both live in Wisconsin, albeit just North of the Illinois border. And, you know, we heard an earful about how lame 
the Packers draft, not only the first round, but the entire draft was because they didn't pick up what what most fans up here that are Green Bay fans thought they should have done to surround Rodgers with some more bullets in his holster to, to, uh, to for lack of a better phrase. So from a, you know, from a 35,000 foot view, Wanda, what was your take on this? And and do you think that Aaron Rodgers is going to finish his career in Green Bay? Um, I don't think he's going to finish his career in Green Bay. Unfortunately, I think, you know, and it's a shame because he could have, he could have, Uh, I don't know why uh, LaFleur thought that, Jordan Love was was worth taking uh, where he did uh, instead of you know uh, dealing with the needs that they obviously needed uh, to uh, to protect Rodgers. There was there was a lot of needs that they uh, they needed to address. But uh, I would I didn't blame Rodgers either for being upset because that that is really a repeat of what happened with Favre and, and him, and now he's seeing it through. Jordan loves eyes, so he immediately called him. But it was funny how he had made mention that he, uh, you know, he wind up uh, um, getting a little relaxed uh, with some alcohol after he heard because, um, you know, he was kind of thrown back about what he, you know, what was going on. I think he's gonna, you know, personally, I don't even think he's gonna stay in the NFC. If he if he wants a really good payback, he's going to go to the AFC, and and then hope to be able to play up against um, an NFC uh, team again because he likes doing that and he likes making fools of of NFC teams. So I think uh, if if he does, he might play maybe one more year, uh, depending on how this year goes, and then uh, obviously if they get into um, you know into a race, hopefully, with the Bears um, in the position of the NFC North. Uh, if he does well, then they may keep him again, hoping he's going to groom uh, Jordan Love, but I don't think he's going to do that either because his attitude is wanting to do his job. He's there to play the game. He's not going to sit there and hand over his his job as as the starting quarterback to a rookie and help him get there. He's going to do what he needs to do. The rookie's going to have to figure it out like he did and then and then see what happens. Now, if Rodgers gets hurt and Love goes in and takes over and outshines him, then for sure it's going to be Rodgers last season because they're going to go for the not, you know, the shiny new uh, diamond, so they'll they'll take him in that. So I, I don't think he's gonna uh, he's gonna retire there. I think he's gonna do the same thing as what Brett Favre did, play for a couple of other teams, maybe within the division, and and then wind up uh, retiring as a retiring his jersey as a Packer. If you wanted to take this full circle, the you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't sign with the Bears, but uh, in a game against the Bears. Uh, he, his career gets ended because <laughs> that's exactly what happened to Brett Favre. Uh, do either of you remember who ended Brett Favre's career? I do. Okay. It was, uh, Corey, Corey Wooten, wasn't it? Yes, it was. There we go. 
Yeah, he sacked him on uh, a, the frozen turf at the uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers home field where the uh, Vikings were playing uh, while the new stadium was being built. And wasn't that also the same game that Devin, Rest, Devin Hester uh, scored on a punt return that set the record for the most punt returns by, uh, by an NFL player? Was that the same game? Could have been. I believe it was. Sounds like the same game. So, so Wanda, uh, on this final segment, uh, I'm going to let you go first. What is the hot topics going on at our turf football? Well, right now we are um, just putting out a, quite a bit of articles on all the Hall of Famers that are being inducted um, this year, including the Centennials and we're just touching base on, on a lot of the, the players, uh, some that have been, uh, you know, uh, nominated so many times and have been completely ignored. I wrote uh, a couple of pieces, one on Troy Palomalu, one on Steve Atwater, and then, of course, Jim Covert. So, um, you know, a couple of these uh, players that have... Uh, been waiting to get into the Hall of Fame and now getting a chance uh, to do that. So we're we're just hitting on that, waiting for the season to start, and as soon as we can uh, get some really good info on how training camp goes and getting those games started, then we're going to be hitting it hard on on all sorts of articles coming out of outer. So yeah, we are you know we're what uh, 29 days away from. The season, if it starts on time, when when Kansas City opens the season to defend their their Super Bowl uh, crown. So, uh, Lester, what's going on at, uh, at at Windy City Gridiron? Uh, you know, over the weekend I just wrapped up my uh, position position look at all the, uh, the the position battles on the Bears for camp. Uh, our, our podcast back in full swing. Uh, we had uh, Robert Schmitz interviewed Bobby Peters, who actually wrote. Uh, the Matt Nagy uh, book on Matt Nagy's plays. I mean, he has actually written the book on it. So he had a chance to interview him, talk about scheme and play calls. You know, uh, we got some stuff, uh, you know, coming up about camp. Obviously it's all about the training camp right now, even though the media is not allowed to be there, the the fans aren't allowed to be there. There are some guys that are there going to be reporting a little bit here and there. Uh, You know, obviously we're going to catch all those, those pressers. We're going to try and get as much information we can about what's going on at those, uh, those training camps. Plus, you know, as far as the NFL draft goes, it's, it's always a uh, draft season for, for, for our guy, Jacob. So today he, he, he had a little bit there about the uh, Todd McShay mock draft. And I know he has an article scheduled for later this week about how some of the, uh, the college players opting out of the season is going to affect uh, the draft. So the, uh, in fact, uh, I'm looking at, at uh, Jacob's article right now and, and uh, he seems to think that uh, um, this guy, McShay, that you just mentioned, that they find uh, the Bears quarterback of the future in the 2021 draft. Yeah, the, 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 the ESPN's Todd McShay had, uh, had the Bears taking Trey Lance there. And, you know, I mean, that's, he's obviously a good prospect. I mean, he's a guy that was going to be on, on, on a lot of teams' radars this year. You know, but with him not being able to play this year, that that kind of puts his experience. He really only has the one year, you know, of of playing at that level. So, you know, will that hurt his draft stock? Will it help his draft stock? I mean, who knows? I mean, everything is so up in the air right now with what's going to happen with the NFL draft. So, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that one. 
Well, if, if if Mitch Trubisky can go second overall by only playing eight games his senior year, uh, you know, this why not put this guy right in that same caliber? But uh, it's uh, it's obviously way too early to talk the you know, a 2021 mock draft, but it was interesting seeing that article out there today. Uh, anything else happening? Anybody? No, everything's uh, pretty pretty simple. Just can't wait for uh, football to get started and, and hoping to just get everything rolling. Thank so, you, Gary. Let's get things going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that wraps up our show for, for this week. Uh, Lester, thanks for, for jumping on to, uh, to co-host this week's episode and, and Wanda thanks again as always for your excellent insight from the female perspective you're one of only uh, you're one of only three women we've had on our show since we started just over a year ago and um, you know you're you're our number one uh, you're our, our number one reporter out west and we can't thank you enough for coming on and and bringing your wisdom uh, to, to our table, and it's it's just an absolute pleasure to have both of you on the show at the same time. Anytime. So appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate right. it. Thank you. All right, so that wraps up our show for, for this week. It'll be out on uh, Podbean and Apple Podcasts here probably by Friday. I want to wish uh, my normal co-host and producer of the show, who has the dubious honor to edit this tomorrow, uh, without knowing what the time breaks are. So, Aaron, uh, take care of your family, and we'll see you next week, everybody. Have a, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday here at the Halitech Hall Show.